Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. If they're not putting a picture of you on Instagram, you have a problem. And I don't want to hear I'm private bullshit. If the guy doesn't have an Instagram, you could put the picture up. You don't have to tag him. But if he gets mad that you're putting the picture up, you have a problem. Welcome to another episode of Too Talk To Be Crazy on every Thursday with me, your favorite host, Violet Benson. So before we start the episode today with Patty, she's from the Millionaire's Matchmaker. I thought we can just do a little intro updating you about my uh, life and we can just chit chat for a couple of minutes before we get the episode going. So first of all, hope you had a chance to catch yesterday's Q&A on Triller. If you don't know this, I basically am now doing a weekly live every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, Los Angeles time, where I either show you an episode the day before it comes out and you get to see the video version, or I just sit there and I talk to you guys, the audience, because it's live and I answer all your dating questions and I give you whatever advice you need about life, about anything. So if you missed yesterday's live thriller, then you can always make sure to tune in to next week's and the following week. Just put in your calendar. So it's every Wednesday at 530 p.m. I always do a swipe up right before I go on. And if you don't want to download thriller for whatever reason, you can just watch it from the link without downloading the app. You just won't be able to ask me any questions, but you can still watch it. Anyway, let's get this episode started. So first, I want to update you from my Valentine's Day episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should. On my Valentine's episode, my new producer thought it was a wonderful idea to talk about my private life. And the reason I don't like to talk about men in my private life is because I feel like it's the same thing that happens with your friends. And you guys are like my friends. It's basically like I met a guy. He's so amazing. You brag about him. You talk about him. And two days later, you're like, holy shit block him, never speak to him again. And then you just feel embarrassed that you ever told anyone about him. And that's how I feel. I talked about Valentine's Day and I was just like, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking of uh, dating my one of my good friends. And like, we went on a date and I don't know if it was a date. Maybe I'm just afraid of my feelings, blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, oh, he's probably, he's so different from the normal men that I date. They're kind of emotionally unavailable. Like he's different. And maybe that's why I'm afraid to get close. No, guess what? He is also emotionally unavailable. So I'll tell you what, at least I'm consistent (laughs) with who I pick in my choice of men. That went down the garbage fire real fast, ended up not working out. So then I just told him to give me some space and then he didn't listen. And I was just like, dude, stop. And I think that's also the biggest problem sometimes when you enter anything, that gray area with friends, because there's no boundaries. With a stranger, you can be like, give me space. But with friends, you're already so used to talking to each other all the time. It's so easy sometimes to try to cross those boundaries. But he didn't respect my boundaries. So I was like, dude, really stop. So he stopped. And I, I don't know. I'm already, I already forgot he existed. So this is why 
I don't really update you guys on my love life because there's none. But I am hopeful and I am like still working on myself, trying to better understand what I'm looking for in a partner, which I feel like that's what I've been teaching you guys to do. And I do believe that when you work on yourself and you're your best version, you do attract the best versions of other people. But it doesn't mean that if it doesn't work out with someone or they weren't the person you want them to be, that that means you didn't do the work on yourself. What it means that when you're doing the work on yourself, that you're able to catch it faster and you're able to walk away faster. So right away with my guy friend who was full on trying to fuck me, even though he was like, no, oh my God, no, I wasn't. Yeah, you were. And I'm not even that flattered because men will try to fuck anything with a hole. I'm not going to fuck you without commitment, period. But at least now I'm so confident that I don't need to maybe try to offer something I'm not comfortable with just in the hopes that somebody's going to want to date me. So I feel like that's what changed between who I am now versus who I was in the past. Like now I'm not going to do things that make me uncomfortable. I'm not going to do things out of my comfort zone just to make someone else happy. And I'm going to be forward and say exactly how I feel. And I was very forward. Like, what are you doing? Do you like me? Do you not? And he was like, oh, my God, where's it coming from? When guys, by the way, say, where's it coming from? They fucking know where it's coming from. Like they know. They know they're just playing dumb. And I would know this because I've asked him about advice about men a million times. Now it's just changed because this time I'm the girl he's trying to bang. (laughs) But I was like, this is coming from my head. So do you like me? Do you not? And he was like, I don't know. I just feel like it's better for friends. I was like, okay, then why? I didn't know friends fuck friends. That's where my idea came from. You know how there's like AA groups and support groups? There should be support groups for dating losers. (laughs) Like, I'll start. I called my friend. I was like, Ew, Kira, I can't believe I sucked that guy's dick. Like, I feel like there should be a support group. Like, ew, I can't believe I sucked blanked dick every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. <laughs> we all meet and we all cry. We put that little pencil dick in our mouth. Like, what? Why would I do that to myself? Like, do I hate myself? Like, why did I put myself through that? That's literally how I felt. So, yeah, let's start a support group for, ew, I can't believe I sucked his dick. Anyway, I would love to continue doing little intro things for you guys, whether it's to update you about my life or something else I prefer, just giving like dating advice or talking about something else you'd rather me talk about before I start episodes. Um, If you want to DM me, let me know what you want me to talk about. That'll be great. But also one thing I forgot to mention before we get started is that super cool. A couple of fans of the podcast started DMing me. Um, They actually won uh, the giveaway from Triller last week for $500. And also they're going to, they want the merchandise. I have to send them, but don't worry. I'm going to do a bunch of more giveaways. So you'll have a chance to win merchandise. New merchandise is going to come soon. I'm starting slowly to work on it. But the cool thing is that we realized that we want to do really cool private sessions where it's like a bitch bootcamp, but it's only for very specific people who sign up and it will be through zoom. And I give you a full on guideline, a full on bitch boot camp just for you guys. You can ask me whatever you want and then we'll send you notes afterwards. And I think it'll be really cool and it'll be a cool way to also get close to a lot of you guys because I do my best to respond to my DMs or even when I go on Triller Live, that's already feels closer. But I feel like the Zoom thing that we're thinking of doing will make me feel even closer to you guys because I, I can't get to all of you and it sucks, especially right now with COVID. It's not like I can even like travel anywhere to meet any of you. So I don't know. I think that'll be a really cool idea. So DM me and let me know your thoughts. But that's that. And DM me and let me know what else you want me to talk on these intros. And also soon I'm going to start bringing in fans for interviews on this podcast. If you have an interesting life, a funny sex story, really cool job, DM me. I may interview you. All right, let's get started with my episode with Patty. Enjoy. Man, that sunset is 
gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Too Tired to Be Crazy on every Thursday with me, your host, Violet Benson. Today, my super, super, super special guest, I mean, everyone knows her, it's Patty Stanger. She is an American businesswoman and reality TV personality. She's known for starring and producing in her own TV show, Millionaire's Matchmaker. And she's actually the founder and CEO of Millionaire's Club 123.com, a professional service for high-end matchmaking. Actually, you know what's funny? The other day, my friend tried to set me up with this guy. When I Googled him, I realized he was a millionaire's matchmaker. On the show, he didn't want a woman to have like a professional, that stuff. And you were trying to convince oh, him otherwise. Oh, you home, be pregnant and barefoot and cook and slave for him so he can hunker around town. Women today are strong and making their own money and having platform podcasts like you have. Women want as much as a man does now. You got to get over this 50s idea of a housewife. That stuff is dead. That's not going to happen anymore. Especially when you don't make money and you have two incomes and it's not enough to have children in this stupid economy we live in and with COVID and the way everything's been set up for the rich to only get rich and the poor never to raise up. Women have to work. Like we don't have a choice now. Get over it. As much as men say they love a strong woman, do they really love a strong woman that makes her own money? They want a woman they can dominate. Look, the beta wants the woman that makes money. So you always see like the CEO or the executive of an internet company or maybe an entertainment company. And she dates the blue collar worker guy because he cleans the house. He does construction. He takes care of the dogs, et cetera, et cetera. And they merge. But Alpha, that makes a lot of money, just generally would like either to be a power couple, which is what you're looking for, a power couple. So you both come together with your careers. How you get a nanny or you figure out how you're going to raise the children together. There are men that want equal. They want their equal. But do they? Because I feel like I, I try. Yes. I... Actresses in Hollywood get together with actors in Hollywood. They're power couple. It doesn't last. Tom Can't Hanks that... and Rita Wilson last. My favorite, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell lasted. That's not true at all. So you're saying they want someone who can make their own money, but they still want to be the alpha in the house. So that's the only difference. No, no, no. If you both make money, then you take turns being alpha beta. Usually the woman runs the house and the man runs everything else. If you make more money than the man, he puts you automatically into the alpha position, which is not correct. Because like I'm alpha at work, but I'm beta at home. And I need a stronger alpha than me because I'm not attracted to beta. I loathe beta. Beta, I, I want to step on my cockroaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to that. So how did you get into matchmaking? I see that you're a third generation matchmaker. So you just kind of knew that's what you wanted to do. No, I never wanted to do it. I hated it, actually. I still do. No, in some ways. No, I'm only kidding. I 
got into it because my mom did it. I went to Florida. My mom owned a restaurant and I was like hanging out, slacking off, you know, like not wanting to do anything like a true millennial at the time. Just left the garment center. I had been in the garment center for almost 10 years. And the industry had crashed, like the mortgage banking industry crashed. And so my mom's like, you're not going to sit around and be a hostess in my restaurant. She circled the ad for Great Expectations, the oldest dating service that was around at the time, and, you know, made me go in for an interview. Then I learned the business. So I've always had a natural inclination to match. I'm intuitive. I'm psychic. That's how I do it. But I didn't understand how you would make money because my parents did it for the temple, and they didn't do it to make money. They did it to, you know, get the community back on its feet. And so I had to learn that, oh, this is a real business and a real living. And I came to California to start it, my own company. It was a time of the gold rush of the Silicon Valley millionaire. It was earlier than Facebook. Like this is a whole, this is the second generation. But the first generation, you know, was Google and all of that. And they came in and you kind of saw that they didn't know how to dress. They didn't know how to date. There weren't any women in Silicon and they rented these houses. There was no Airbnb. And they call me and be like, hook me up, sister. And they all got married and took their wives home. And that's how it started. So that's how you knew right away you're just going to start with the millionaires. Because um, Actually, I had another job. And I was offered a job at Paramount to work in the marketing department, which, you know, that's what my dream was to get into the film business. I went to film school. And the head of the marketing department, Arthur Cohn, said, no, 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 no. You're not going to do this. You're going to do the other thing, your side hustle. Because your side hustle is going to be your main hustle because there are going to be networks looking for people like you to have TV shows and tell them about their careers. And that's how it all started. So what year the Millionaire Matchmaker started? I don't remember what year Millionaire Matchmaker started. That- but it was on for like a good amount of seasons, right? Oh, it was on for eight years, 107 episodes. I love sounds for contract negotiation reasons. I still make money with them. They're still my partner. And, you know, they made me famous. And I love you, Bravo. Was it hard for someone as powerful as you today because everyone thinks you're so like, do men find you intimidating because of it? No, I don't think they find me intimidating, but finding that person is hard. You know, like I have a lot of men attracted to me, but they're not what I want. I had an issue growing up where my dad lost his money. He would like a yo-yo up and down. One day have money, one day lose it. So I tend to attract men who are very athletic and good looking, but they didn't have any money. And then I had to take care of them. And that's when I realized Ooh, I don't like being, they put me in the alpha position and I was raised traditionally Jewish. So I don't like that feeling. And then I'm adopted. So my biological parents were not Jewish. And so it was interesting. My grandmother's Cherokee Indian. My mother's German Catholic. So I was in this place where I was like, my DNA probably was signaling these tall, athletic, good looking guys. Like my mom came from Michigan where they make, you know, tallest corn handsome men. And then I was not attracted to Jewish men, even though I tried them. And so I repelled. I was trying to figure out where was my place in the sun. And that's very hard. And as, as you keep making more money and being more successful and more famous, there's less people to choose from as you get older. That's the worst part. I agree. Looking back now on the show with how dating changed in general, do you like regret some of the advice you gave back then? Or do you feel like all the advice still applies to, to this day? I hate the fact that we made fun of redheads. Because I really love redheads, but it was because the men didn't like them. And I was a little harsh on them. And I used to have red highlights. And I once was red back when I was in my 20s. So I would take that back with all the other stuff I would not take back. But all this other stuff is real. That's the only thing I regret. It's the redhead comment. I love the show. And like, I also joined to listen to you on, on Clubhouse. I noticed sometimes when you were bringing on women for these millionaires, you'd be like, oh, no, we're dyeing your hair. This girl will go from brunette to blonde. You have to understand if you want to date a millionaire or a billionaire, 
Okay. Millionaire, multimillionaire, billionaire. I know what they're saying. I know what they're thinking. And if it's the two clients I'm doing for the week, I know who's going to be attracted to them. And if I see a girl who wears a howdy dowdy dress, you know, with pantyhose and her hair is like ash blonde and she needs to be a brunette to pop her eyes or, you know, change her dress to get a push up rod to elevate her boobs. I'm going to do that for not just for the guy, but for them when they go out and date. Because they're wallflowering in the back of the house. And I want to put them in the front. And Ed, did you not notice that every single time I did it, the millionaire picked them? Did you not notice that? No, I did. Yeah. Well, then I know my, my job. I know what I'm doing. So you're saying it's just when you're dating a millionaire or billionaire, that's a different criteria versus like, if a guy tells me he prefers a brunette, I'm going to be like, okay, well, you're going to love blondes now because I'm blonde. No, 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 no. If the girl didn't look her best in what she was wearing, hair color to her shoes. I'm going to fix it. A lot of those girls had terrible haircuts. They had awful damaged hair. They were over bleaching. They didn't use extensions to, you know, to even out their hair to make it look filler. There's a lot of things I did to them. But more importantly, it was to enhance their look. Now, the second thing is I did it to men, too. I had millionaires women. Right. And I did it to gay men, too. When Ashley Anacati came on, I cut that guy's hair. He had long hair under his shirt. I said, you look like a bob. Like, you look like the Dutch boy on the paint can. I got to fix your hair, and I cut it. Okay, I guess that makes sense. So you were trying to change everyone up. Because, yeah, if I came to you and I was like, help me date, and you were like, you won't be able to find a husband unless your hair was brown, I was like, then I'll be alone. No, that's, I'm sorry. I don't think I ever said it like that. I just said, how would you feel if I did this? It's going to make you look better. I never said you would find a husband the way you look. Okay, yeah, that's true. No, totally, yeah, 100%. Okay, so today, basically, when I was talking to Nicole, by the way, Nicole Benam, she was saying how on Clubhouse, you guys were wanting to do a topic about going from side chick to being the main chick. So I kind of like in a way I wanted to, it to be the topic today from like going from friend zone to that and all that. So that's kind of the topic. You have to love yourself first to say to yourself this, I'm going to give this short amount of time. I'm not going to waste 100 years waiting for him to turn around to pick me as the one. If he has a girlfriend, first of all, I don't recommend doing it. I agree. But if he's like chasing chicks and you're like, you know, hooking up with him once or twice a week, if you want to be that main event, you need to cut off the nookie. No more sex. Have a conversation and say, look, I really like you. I'm really attracted to you. We're a great couple together, but I'm not interested in any more side stuff. Are you interested in having a relationship with me? And if you're not, it's cool. I just want to put you in the friend zone because this, this is the last time. And you have to say it. Women don't ask questions. They don't state what they want. If a man asks you on a first date, do you want to get married? You say, yes, I want to get married. If you want to have kids, yes, I want to have children. Because if he doesn't, better he leave now than later when you're heartbroken and waste a year on a loser. Right. That's so true. We are sometimes afraid to just like say things. We don't want to look like we're rushing to commitment or scare the guy away. Yes. But you have to have a verbalist conversation. If you like, for instance, if you want the ring in my book, Become Your Matchmaker, there's a whole chapter on exactly the words to say how to get the ring from the guy who's not giving you the ring yet. So how do you get the ring from the guy who's not giving you the ring? When he comes and hits on you, you know, you say, look, I'm really attracted to you, but I'm just not the type of girl that sleeps around. You know, I need to feel safe. And then you let an awkward pause linger because he's going to process that and go, okay, what will make you feel safe? And you go monogamy, commitment. I want to be in monogamous, committed, long-term relationship. I don't want to be with a man who fucks around. And I certainly don't fuck around. And then you stop. 
If he doesn't come forward, he's a douchebag. He's the guy that's fucking everything, like driving the car off the lot and never purchasing it. He's normally going to say if he likes you, whoa, 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 I thought we were in a committed relationship. I thought we were exclusive. It's in his mind, he thinks he's exclusive without saying it. What if he says, whoa, 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 I do like you. I'm attracted to you. I'm just not ready for anything right now. Then that's the guy who drives the car that just that keeps driving off the lot. Then you go, well, you know what? If you're not ready for anything now, then I'm not your girl. But best of luck in your search. And then you cut communication. You stop communication. You leave. You don't want to be friends with him. You can block him. You can do whatever you want. Delete him out of your phone. But the problem is, if he wants you bad enough, he'll find you. Now, he might leave and come back. A man's not gone for eight weeks. He can be gone for week two, week three, and all of a sudden it hits him and he misses you. But it takes a moment, but then they're slow. Yeah, I've been reading that in books because I do a lot of dating research to kind of better understand it. And yeah, I read that in this one book that you have to wait eight weeks for him to like realize or reach out. And if after eight it weeks, takes you leave. eight weeks for them to miss you. The way their corpus callosum is, it's smaller, they're part of the brain. So they don't miss that immediately. We miss immediately. But then we're over it by the time they come back. And also when they hit you up in between, if they're not saying like, I want to date you, you just don't say anything. That's submarining. When they submarine you and they pop up and they say, hey, let's grab a coffee. Let's take a walk. And you're like, wait a second. What do you really want? We've already had discussion. I want monogamy. So you could say, listen, I'd love to have a walk with you. But what did you think about my discussion about monogamy? Because I'm not interested in having hookup sex. And you need to say it to him. Look, I can't tell you how many men have come back to me when I've told women to do this and said to me, I am so grateful. I listened to you and she's my wife now because I could have fucked up royally. And the fact that she had brains and spine and had self-love to tell me what she wanted, it turned me even on more. I like that. I agree. I'm very straightforward. So like I can wait around for two seconds, but then right away, I'm just kind of like, what's the deal? And then I feel like you can scare guys off a lot of the time. So No, you don't scare because the man doesn't scare off. The boy scares it off. It's going like to take one in a hundred for the man, but the man's going to go, let's go. The man feels differently. It feels protective. It feels safe. He's consistent. He calls you when he says he's going to call you. He asks you out when he says he's going to ask you out. He makes plans. The man's consistent. The boy's not. The boy's a child. He's Peter Pan. I have another question. If let's say you're friends with a guy, guys, a lot of times they can be friends with women, but they can still want to sleep with them. Like if you allow it. So how come some guys will try to sleep with their friends? They can have the best friendship. Then they want to take the next level to sleep with them. But then suddenly they're like, don't want to take it to the next level to date them. How do you handle that? If he was never flirting with you in the beginning, you're friends. But if he flirted with you while you were friends, you have an opening window. They might try other girls. But if he never flirted with you in the beginning, you're in the friend zone. So let's say you guys were always friends. You were always flirting. And then one day he tries to sleep with you or he tries to take you out, whatever. You have to stop it and do what I just did. If you want monogamy or commitment, unless you're just trying him out. But if you want commitment and monogamy, you have to stop the train and actually present and say, this is what I want. What do you want? And if they don't meet up at the same level, bye-bye. You'll go back to friendship. That's all you will. You'll go back to friendship and you won't take him seriously anymore. That happened to me recently where I've been really good friends with a guy for years. He's always tried to pursue me. I finally go for it. We go on on a day or two, whatever. We're talking all the time. And then in my head, I was like, wait, what is this? So then I kind of was like, what's the deal? Do you like me? Do you not? And he was like, what? I feel like I like you and I'm attracted to you, but I just, I don't think we're a good fit. And I was like, okay, so. Okay, then he's not your guy. Because what guy's going to ask you to get in bed and say, I don't think we're a good fit? He's an immature idiot. That's an idiot. I didn't sleep with him. Okay, but that's an idiot. That's a child. Exactly. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. These are really great sentences. I love them. I agree. I did notice that you recently got out of a a relationship. About two years ago, but yeah. (laughs) Two years ago, but one of the main reasons was because he didn't meet your non-negotiables. At the time he did, I thought he had money and I thought he was successful. We had issues with money in our relationship since day one. Sex was great, but emotionally we're very different. He's cold. And I'm hot. And so I'm very warm and nurturing. He's kind of cold and north windy. He's kind of like that reformed bad boy, which I'm not going towards ever again. And non-negotiables are the best. But you know, when chemistry comes in, sometimes the non-negotiables go out the window. So one thing that I do agree with you that I feel like that has never changed. And now I'm trying to bring it back, especially on my podcast. Some girls get mad at me. I 100% agree with you. And I stand behind you with the whole wait to have sex until you're monogamous. So 100% agree with you on that part. And some girls don't agree with me. But I do think when you get physical, you end up like racing, you end up being so forward physically, but emotionally, you're still in the beginning. That's why you have to get to the emotional part before you can connect physically, right? No, men fall in love emotionally, not physically. Women can fall in love physically, but men fall in love emotionally. Women have estrogen and men don't. And that creates oxytocin when they bond. Yeah. So when the man touches you, you get, a, you get a rush, like you're drunk. That's why it's called punch drunk love. You feel like you're fucked up in love. But men don't have that. Men, men do not bond through sex. They right. bond through emotional connection, the consistency, knowing that that person's there, loving to talk to them, spend time with them, and laugh with them. Yeah, I agree. That's why for me, at least, I know I get attached. So then I hold off to sleep with somebody because I don't want to get blur vision about so many things I don't like. But when I'm talking about non-negotiables, I'm talking about like, I want to get married in the next year or two. I want to have kids in a couple of so years. So then you write that down and you ask the guy on the date, what's your five-year plan? If it doesn't include marriage and kids, get out. He's not worth it. So on the first day, you should already figure out the non-negotiables if that meets you. Your- you're going to get into the zone where he starts talking. He doesn't talk about shit. You're just going to say, what's your five-year plan? And you'll figure it out from there. Okay. What are some red flags to watch out with the guy you're talking to? Well, first of all, if he texts us forever, he never asks you out or calls you on the phone. Do not go on a date with a guy who doesn't call you on the phone. You have to hear his voice. Women only fall in love through their ears. Men fall in love through their eyes. So if he calls you on the phone, you're going to get a sense of whether or not you want to go on the date. Then you can proceed to a FaceTime date because of COVID and a mass date. The one thing that I would say to everybody is that it's imperative to check the guy out. Like you want to make sure he's legit. If you found him online, does he have a LinkedIn profile? Does he work where he says he's going to work? There's an app called Spokio that you can background check anybody, put the telephone number in and, and background check it. The other thing I think is important is that when you're vetting your guy, you know, you're making sure that he's not coming on to you sexually because if he comes on with dick pics and stuff like that, this is a low rent loser. 
that is going to destroy your self-esteem, probably a narcissist, fine-line sociopath that is on these apps hunting prey and is not interested in a relationship. Right. I agree with that. I think I think it's important that whatever you do as a woman, you do it for yourself and not for the other guy because you're scared that he's not going to like you. I think a while back, like beginning of quarantine, I was sexing out with a guy. We went out, we hung out like once or twice. And then he started sending me like shirtless pics. And it got to the point that it was like really low. And I was like, hey, that's making me uncomfortable. Like we're not there yet. We haven't even kissed. I'm, I need you to not send me that. And then he did it again, twice or three times and kind of gaslighted me, making me feel like I'm out of the shower. I have a towel on. It's not a big deal. I'm like, you know what? You already crossed a boundary that I asked you not to do. It's not going to work out. And I didn't know if I moved too quickly with like pushing him away or if that if I made the right call because that really irritated me. You made the right call. Your gut is your intuition. If you feel something's off, nine times out of 10, it's off. Okay. So you have to realize if you pay attention to the signs, he's going to reveal himself. Men love to pump and dump and talk about their resume and their family and their shit. And if he starts with negativity, like, I lost my job, I have no money, I have no place to live, a life sucks, get out. They lead with their positive foot or they don't lead at all. What if you're in a relationship with somebody that you really love, but they're not giving you what you need? When do you know when it's time to walk away? I would do the five languages of love book and the test. I take the test and I'd read the book and I find their love language. I'd start doing it to them in their love language. I'd make them take the test and then they would have to do me. And if it still doesn't work after that, maybe you're not meant to be together. So five languages of love fills our love tank up with the way we like feeling love, that language. And there's a primary and secondary. Those two languages make you feel good. If that's not making you feel good, then he's never going to make you feel good. I was actually going to ask you about the languages of love, because can you date somebody that you have different love languages if you just learn each other? Or is it better to be a match? You just have to know your opposite, your partner's love language, and then you can actually love them the way they need to feel love. Oh, so you can still date somebody that has different love languages than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of you giving to them and them giving to you. But if you're giving to them and they're not giving to you, you have a problem. Look, the world is made up of givers and takers. Two givers need to be together because they need to learn how to receive. Two takers need to be together because they have to learn how to give. Huh, I never thought about that. That's actually really interesting. I like that. Okay. How do you spot a commitment phobe and can they change? A commitment phobe is somebody who's afraid of relationships, period. He has an intimacy problem, probably from childhood. Somewhere along the line, he made a decision that either he wasn't good enough to have a relationship or he feels that you know, love is not real. This isn't real. So he evades it. And what happens is, is commitment phobes tend to attract women who want relationships, not other commitment phobes. They go towards the little Bambi in the woods. And you're susceptible to that. If you're like this rom-com girl and loves, you know, falling in love at the first sign of whatever, you're going to be attracted to commitment phobes. So you need to make sure that in the beginning, if he's a commitment phobe, you need to get out of that relationship. Can they change? When they get older, they change, like George Clooney. When they get older, usually they're bigger, better deal, they're serial monogamous. But when they get older, they say, I'm tired of chasing women, so I'm going to settle down. But their eyes are always roving. They always have roving eyes. Can you be somebody's like, quote unquote, game changer if they're commitment phobe or whatever? It's like, if you give them ultimatum and you say you're going to leave, which is in my book, you know, when you want the ring. So you would basically say, look, this isn't what I wanted. You're a great catch. I love you. I think you're awesome. But if you don't want the same thing I want, I need to go because I love myself first and you second. And he will see that when you leave after a certain amount of time, if he really loves you, he will try to get you back. That's when the player becomes the stayer. 
What about if it's somebody that had an on and off relationship with somebody and they're walking away? So then, of course, their partner is like, okay, they're just going to come back eventually again. No, because if you go back, you've already made the cycle of abuse continue. Can that be salvaged at all? Only way it's going to be salvaged is if it's at Tiffany's and he's meeting me there for a ring. So how is it going to be salvaged? What's going to change? He has to commit or she has to commit. You know, it's not always men. Women have problems, too, and gay people have problems, too. Everybody has a commitment phobe in their category, male or female, gay, straight, pink polka dot, fluid, transgender, whatever. Yeah. You know? So how many times should you try before you finally walk away from somebody that you really loved? Is it just like one conversation? Well, I think it's a one, two or time deal. I think if you continue to keep going back, he or she's going to abuse you and take advantage of you because they're not going to take you seriously. The minute it happens, you need to like get everyone out of the house. If there's people in your house, Turn the computers and the phones off and say, look, I need to talk to you about something and then go right into it. You can't be watching the football game or you added a dinner. You know, he needs to like hear it straight from the horse's mouth because he can't have the outside stimulation. The waiter, the people coming to the restaurant, you want to be able to look him in the eye and go, dude, this is what I want. What do you want? Also, when you're walking away from somebody, whether it's in conversation or in text or phone call, I think a lot of times men expect the woman to go crazy. And then I've been reading a lot of books where you just like keep it very calm or whatever, because then it makes men like question themselves. Like, does she even like me? What are the best tips for a woman to act after a breakup or walking away from something? I think you, you really need a good support system, your friends, your family. I cut off the communication. I wouldn't ask the friends. I wouldn't go to the places they go to. I wouldn't stalk them on the internet. And then you need to go into you. Why do you keep attracting this type of man? What is in you that needs that validation from them? Is there some wound that you're trying to heal? Like, did your dad leave your mom or your dad was not around? And you're looking at this man as like, if he loves me, then that heals all my wounds. Because there's some kind of dynamic going on there if you keep going back. And generally speaking, statistics have shown us that the women usually have daddy issues. Some part of their dad has left the family emotionally, physically, or both. And they somehow are attracting fragments of their dad in this, in this guy. And it would be the same with a man with a woman, like mommy issues. So it's like some kind of issue keeps surfacing that if he loves me, I'm worthy. I'm the shit on the street. I'm cool. And really, it's I'm not enough. You've got a mantra running, a broken record, like a program in your brain going, I'm not enough. And then you keep attracting people that validate you're not enough. Somebody right. who says, I don't want to commit with you, validates I'm not enough for you. And that doesn't mean you can't be enough for somebody else. That just means this dude is making you self-conscious. So you need to stay away from people that don't raise you up. How do you change that mindset in your brain, the perspective that you stop going for people who remind you of whatever childhood trauma you went through? If you end up in a situation over and over again where this feels familiar, the mind only knows what's familiar, then you need to change it up and say, this, this is wrong. I'm not going there. I've seen that movie. I don't need to see it again. You know, I've lived that movie. I don't need to live it again. Because what happens is, is you're going to create the same pattern and the energetic frequency is going to bring in, you know, like you study law of attraction or any type of these metaphysical techniques, the energetic frequency of that vibration is so apparent in your system. It's going to bring in more of the same. You have to break the pattern by not allowing it to come in. And it doesn't mean you have to scream, rant and rave at God and go, fuck you. Why'd you bring this guy in? You can just say, look, no, thank you. I've had that. 
I don't particularly care for that type of man. Right. So you stop going for your quote unquote type. Yeah. You can't give it any more heat or energy because the more times you give it heat and energy, more times you get angry or give it more attention, it comes up again. Another person shows up. It's the same thing. Because you're literally telling the universe that's what you want. It's not even the universe. It's the subconscious, the program in the back of your your computer brain. If it's a computer, that window is open and you didn't know that window's open. You got to shut that window, but you don't know how because you can't find the window. You had to break the subconscious. And the only way to break it is to not give it attention. Say thank you very much, but no thank you and not allow it in. Don't dance with the devil. He may be hot and good looking and rich and sexy, but he's never going to give you what you want. Say, no, thank you, devil. I prefer an angel. Right. So it's just, I think it's our women's need of wanting to like constantly fix or change people. So it's like they find projects. You can't change anyone. You couldn't change your child. You couldn't change your mother. You can't change your boss. You can't change anyone. They have to want to change. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water and show it, but you can't make it drink. So the truth of the matter is you could have great ideas and great concepts and it can be intellectually stimulating, but it doesn't mean they're going to apply it. Why do men always come back? They come back when the switch goes off. Usually you're attracted to someone else. They feel the energetic switch. That's that's a psychic connection. You've made love with them. You've had their penis inside your vagina and there's an energetic frequency. You know, they call that in the Karma Sutra, the Kundalini was raised. You have connection. Your wires are attached. So when you go off with another guy, he feels and smells cock and cock doesn't like cock. So he wants to block cock. So he comes in to try to mess you up to say, I'm back. I'm back. You don't answer because he's not asking for commitment. He just wants your attention to make sure you're still hooked. He wants to take a temperature reading to see if he could still get you challenge. But you are, you know, most times you're past that point. You're like, oh, I'm not going to take him back. I met someone else. And if you didn't meet someone else and he comes back and you're weak, you will take him back. Dangerous, very dangerous yeah. for them to come back when you're weak. Only if they offer you commitment or whatever it is that you needed. Yeah, unless he's going to give you a ring and give you the commitment you want, set the wedding date and all the little things that you want, all the goodies. Do men know right away within like the beginning of dating whether or not they just want to fuck this woman or they it can actually have a future with them? They don't really know that they have a future. What they do is they know they're sexually attracted and they want to sleep with you. But the other layers of the onion start to unravel. The more times they know, they end up falling in love with you if they're healthy, emotionally healthy, not toxic men. Toxic men have wires crossed. So healthy men, more time they spend, the more deeper they get. And if they're in a good place where they can get married, they want to buy a house, whatever, they know. But they don't know so quickly. Like it's a little too instantaneous. Now, there are people that have love at first sight. I like to call that, you know, reincarnation from the past coming to the present. Like you've recalled them from past lives and they know right away, but it doesn't always work. Right. Depends. A lot of people say they've met people, they fall in love and you know, girls that do it over and over again. And then, you know, girls who never have had it. Libra is always falling in love over and over again. It's like a fairy tale for them. Is it true that when a guy does really like you, nothing will stop him from pursuing you or getting you? Pretty much so. I feel like that's one thing that we always do. We make excuses for guys like, well, he's really busy, works a lot right now. No, no. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't be working. He might feel content with you and he's working to build an empire. But uh, nine times out of 10, he's chasing you. Okay, so I've also been reading a lot of different books from guys' perspectives about placeholder versus game changers. It seems like now that even if you got him to commit and you're in a relationship, you can still be technically, quote unquote, a placeholder while he's still looking for his wife. So like, how can you even tell then that you're serious? Because you have to have conversations and talk about the future. And if he doesn't talk about the future, then you're a placeholder. What if like sometimes you mentioned he was like, yeah, sure, babe. Okay, yeah. 
You just have to notice signs. You can tell when someone's yesing you to someone having a conversation. Or like if you're not meeting his family and things like that. Kind of. If you're being hidden, if you're being hidden, yeah, you got a problem. If they're not putting a picture of you on Instagram, you have a problem. They're bigger, better dealing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to hear I'm private bullshit. If the guy doesn't have an Instagram, you could put the picture up. You don't have to tag him. But if he gets mad that you're putting the picture up, you have a problem. Yeah, my ex used to be like that with Facebook when we were like years ago and he was cheating on me. So that's why. There you go. Where can people find you? Oh, okay. you can either DM me on Instagram. It's Patty with an I. Or you can go to Millionaires Club, 123.com. There is an S in Millionaires. And where can they find your book? My book is Become Your Own Matchmaker. You can find it on Amazon. It's broken up into like four books for digital. Or you can get the whole book, uh, hardcover, softcover, and digital. Depends on what you want. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. And don't forget to check out Patty. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye.